0: Good morning, my name is Heath. I'm the lead pastor here at REACH, and I am glad that you're here today uh, for lots of reasons. One main reason is we're starting a series um, today, and we're going to go for the next four weeks after this, called Core Values. Uh, so if you're brand new to REACH, this is excellent, because you'll get to hear uh, over the next five weeks what our core values are, and our core values should shape what we do and what we say and who we are. Um, so you'll get to experience all of those Um Starting today, and so today I'm going to start with what is our primary first core value, which is the presence of God. We acknowledge as a church that there is no life change, there is no community transformation, there is no purpose in church without the presence of God. If the presence of God isn't there, then all we are doing is teaching facts, but we're not changing lives because God is the author of life change, so he has to be active in that. And so what I want to do today is spend a lot of time going through probably more verses than I normally do in Exodus. And you may think, presence of God, Exodus. We'll get there, trust me. But I want to spend a lot of time with this idea, this reality, that you as a child of God get to determine whether you want to live at a distance from the presence of God or if you want to live face to face with the presence of God. It is after the interaction, after the transfer of title of you to the father. Our access to the the presence of God is ours. And hopefully through our trip through Exodus today and talking about Moses, we'll all come to the reality that we get to choose. And the sad part is, is most of us, me included at times, choose to be far off. Because it seems safer to have God at a distance. Because as we'll see in a little bit, I mean, Moses went into this thing called a thick darkness. That sounds exciting, right? Anybody, you know, like, oh, man, I'm planning for some thick darkness this morning. Like, run around your house in thick darkness and see what happens. So let's pray. <clears throat> Tell me, Father, um, I, it would be idiotic for me to begin preaching your word without welcoming you here, about, without acknowledging your presence here. Lord, we understand where two or three are gathered, you're here in this room, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit and and you're here with us. Lord, we want to acknowledge that and we want you to speak to us this morning. I pray that you would unsettle us where we're comfortable with having you at a distance that you would draw us into the reality that there is so much more for us to experience in you, trusting you, living with you face to face. And Lord, we acknowledge today that without Jesus, there would be no face to face. There would not be an option for us to, tra- to draw near to you, to experience your presence. But your son and his sacrifice has given us the ability to walk in to your presence, into your holy of holies. You have removed the veil and we have access to you. And so today, through your word, I pray that you would draw us, that you would call us in to the things of God in a deeper, more real way. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So it would benefit us. Uh, one thing you'll hear next week, next week our core value is uh, the Bible. Um, there really isn't a, uh, a way for us to identify any other core values. If we didn't have this thing that we call the Bible that speaks the Word of God to us and, and tells us who God is and, and allows us to see, and we're going to do that today. But if you look at it from the beginning from God's original design from Adam and Eve when he created his first children they existed face to face with God that was his creation that was his desire his desire wasn't for us to be far off his desire was to walk in the garden with his children and live face to face with him that was his heart and if we don't see that from the beginning we'll feel because we have spent generations apart from the presence of God generations apart from the reality of what happened in the Garden of Eden and literally that relationship where there was no sin there was no shame there was no fear of God at all there was just a face-to-face relationship and of course Sin and the fall of man has separated us from that reality. But God, from the beginning, from that moment on, you see it in Genesis 3.15, which we talked about not too long ago. We we see it in from the beginning of Genesis that God has been doing everything in his power to make available that opportunity for us to be face to face again. That's the whole story that we see from beginning to end. From book to book, we see this desire of God choosing a people to call his own and calling them into this relationship that would satisfy them completely. And so what I'm going to do, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to only be in Exodus. I'm going to have a few other verses outside of. We're going to start in Exodus 19, um, verse 1. And we're going to be in Exodus 19, 20, 24, and I think 33. And like I said, there's going to be... Lots of scripture that's going to go click after click after click. And there is a point to that. So trust me with that. So we find um, Moses and the people of God after they have left Egypt. And this is the beginning of the journey of, of God calling back his people. The beginning of the journey that he set in motion. That he said that he would rescue his people even when they went with Joseph into Egypt, even when they became slave, God set this parameter. I'm going to call my people to me again. And this is what happened. And he has shown his people the power. There's no doubt. Like, I think sometimes we in our culture can doubt the power and authority of God. No one that this was written to doubted the power and authority of the living God because they saw it with their own eyes. It doesn't make them perfect. We see their stupidity in just a second. We'll talk about it briefly. So here we go in verse 19. It says, on the third new moon, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai and they set out from here. Here's a I had to listen to this this morning. Rephidim, and if I mispronounce it, it's no big deal. It's a place and they came to the wilderness of Sinai and they camped in the wilderness. So there's hundreds of thousands of people that are camping and there are, you know, they're out of what they've known for 400 years in the wilderness. It says there, Israel encamped before the mountain while Moses went up to God, the Lord called him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, You yourself have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you indeed will obey my voice and keep my commands, you shall be my treasure, sorry, my treasured possession among all peoples." And for all, for all the earth is mine. In verse six, it says, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. This is what God is saying to his people. You are my people. You are going to be a kingdom of priests. And this is unknown because there are. They, they don't have this. Uh, the priest is like a, a group of them, not a kingdom of priests. What he's saying is he said, I'm going to call my people. I'm going to set them in place that they're going to be a kingdom of priests. Actually, in first Peter two nine, which I think is going to be on your screen, it says, but you are a chosen chosen race talking about the New Testament believers, a royal priesthood. This isn't the select few. This isn't those that stand up front with a microphone. This is the children of God. A holy nation, a people for my own possession. Does that sound familiar? The story doesn't change. God does not change what his intention is. It says that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light From beginning to end, God is speaking to a people to be his own. In verse seven, it says, so Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words. He tells them what he just heard from the Lord. The Lord that rescued them out. The Lord that they are no, there's no doubters here that the Lord is real. They have seen the power. They saw the sea split. They walked through it on dry land. They saw the power of God when the Egyptians tried to take them back and the waters took them. And he tells them what God has commanded him. And it says, all the people answered together and said... All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. They're committed. They have said all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Well, we know that they don't do. <laughs> we, we know more of the story that that doesn't work out. But in that moment, they are like, yes, we are following. They said they were all out for God, completely sold out. So Moses, of course, takes that answer back to God, not that he needed Moses to bring him the answer, but he goes and tells him the answer. And verse nine, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud. That the people may hear when I speak to you. So they're going to have a conversation face to face, Moses on the mountain where the people are going to see the cloud descend and they're going to hear the conversation. Like, I, I'm just telling you, like, I'd like a little powwow up here where like a cloud came over me. I'm not Moses. OK, but like, could you imagine a cloud just like descending We I start having a conversation and you hear another voice and you don't think I'm crazy and you don't think I'm making it up. But like literally the presence of God came down and they see this. <clears throat> Behold, I'm coming to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak to you and may also believe you forever. When Moses told the words to the the words of the people to the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Set them apart, telling them, get ready. And let them wash their garments. And be ready for the third day. He's preparing them for this. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on the Mount Sinai in the sight of the people and you will set limits for the people around saying, take care not to go up into the mountain or touch the edge of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. There was an expectation, which we'll see a little bit longer, that there would be a challenge to that barrier, that people would not be able to control themselves, that they would charge into the presence of God because they wanted it. He had to set limitations. He says, no hand will touch them. We're not even going to touch them. (laughs) Listen to this. It says, but he shall be stoned or shot. Like We're not going to lay a hand on him, Like, but you're going to die if you touch the mountain. Whether beast or man, like it didn't matter if you let your dog go and your dog goes to the mountain, the dog is going to die. <laughs> no. <laughs> Thinking of lucky like lucky don't. <clears throat> it says when the trumpet sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. So it wasn't a thing that he wanted to keep them away from forever. He wanted them to get ready For this moment. In verse 14 it says So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and consecrated the people, and they washed their garments. They're getting ready to to meet God. And he said to the people, Be ready for the third day. Do not go near a woman. Leave that one just like it is. Verse 16. I ain't got time for that. I ain't got time for that. Okay. <laughs> on the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. And then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. He was bringing his chosen possession to the Father. And they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire and the smoke went up like smoke of a kin, kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. Could you imagine being at the bottom of this, like knowing, like there's a line? I'm going to make sure, like we have little barriers so you don't get out of line in our kids' ministry. I mean, could you imagine, be like, ooh, there's the barrier. Like, people weren't asking how close they could get. They were like, "Mm -mm." somebody could bump me from behind and I accidentally crossed the line. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him in the thunder. And the Lord came down on Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain and the Lord called Moses to come to the top of the mountain and Moses went up. And the Lord said to Moses, go down and warn the people, lest they break through to the Lord and look and many of them would perish. Also, let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them like this was not. And I think sometimes we we overtame our God. We over over-tame, like the only way we have access to come face to so face. Let's just clear this up. Is because of the blood of Jesus that we claim to ourself as our savior. There is no person in here without that claim has any access to the father that wouldn't be met like this. We don't get to approach. I think we've we've. We we depurified so many things that we can we just make them common that we can come into it like these people weren't cloudy in this area they they weren't like oh you know this is you know we're, we might meet God today we're like oh my gosh they clean their clothes they took showers I don't know if God doesn't like like bo like we got to get ready like <laughs> And I, you know, I just I imagine I was a youth pastor for 10 years and I jokingly, you know, told kids all the time, you know, like guys and girls, you got to separate in one year. I did not plan this. I promise we took a ski trip and I get on the bus and it's like literally guys and girls. I didn't force it that way, but I had been I've been like imprinting on them so much that they just naturally separated themselves. Like, it's like that, you know, stay away from women. Like, where are you sit over there, girl? Like, we're not holding hands in front of the presence of the Lord. Like, don't touch <laughs> me. <clears throat> and the Lord said to Moses, go down and warn the people, lest they break through to the Lord and look, and many of them would perish. And also let the priests come near to the Lord and consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. And Moses said to the Lord, the people cannot come to Mount Sinai, and for you warned us, saying, set limits around the mountain and consecrate it.' They set a barrier warning the people. See, why would God have Moses set limits if he didn't expect the people would want to come? In verse 24, it says, and the Lord said to him, go down and come up and bring Aaron with you. Do not let the priest and the people break through to come up to the Lord. Least he break out against them. so Moses went down to the people and told them. We skip forward a little bit into Exodus 20. And this conversation is still going on, this desire, and there's there's a people that have been prepared to enter into the presence to be near God. And in verse 18, it says in chapter 20 now, says now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpets and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled and they stood far off. They weren't close to the barrier. They weren't. Near the mountain, they were far off. And Moses said, you speak to us and we will listen. And this is what the people and they said to Moses. Sorry, you speak to us and we will listen. But do not let God to speak to us. lest we die. Here, here's the danger that we see in our American church and churches in general a lot. Most of you guys sitting in the chair are just like the people of Israel going, whoa, 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 like we'll sit in the chairs and you tell us what we need to do and we'll do our best to do it, but do not let God speak to us ourselves. Look, let me just tell you, the presence of God isn't something we have access to just on Sunday. The presence of God is something that we get access to every moment of every day as a child of God, as a temple of the Holy Spirit. That power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. And see, the danger is is we'll take this mentality, we'll go, someone else do the hard work, someone else enter in the thick darkness, because that sounds thick darkness, period. And then you go there and you come and tell me, and sometimes we do this, we're looking for other people to have the relationship with God and give us just enough of it so we feel close and connected instead of pressing into that place. Verse 20, it says, Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you. The testing was to Make them prepared not to scare them away. That the fear of him may be before you. That you may not sin. And the people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Let me, let me just tell you something else. I think there's also this other illusion. the person who stands here on Sunday morning has the direct line to the Father that the, 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 the thick darkness isn't thic- thick darkness to them. It's clear. Like, they have access to the Father completely. And I, I think sometimes we, as an American church, we put the pastor in a bubble that they can, and that's great for them. But because they can, we, 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 we don't have to. And let me just tell you, When Moses walked into the thick darkness, it was thick darkness. Let me just tell you, let me be completely honest to you, because next week we're going to do everything in our power to convince you that the life that you need is going to be found in this word that you need to be in every day. If the world is going to convince you otherwise, you have to battle it with something, and it has to be battled with something that you can trust, which is the word of God. But let me just tell you, if you're going to do that, there will be days of thick darkness. There will be mornings that you open that word with eagerness to enter into the presence of God and it will feel like thick darkness. There will be mornings that you read, that you try to worship, that you try to pray and you feel like, oh, my goodness, what has happened? Why was why was my plug? Why was my power outlet unplugged? When the reality is is some days that's just what it is. And it's okay. I mean, God didn't give Moses everything when he walked in that thick darkness. I'm sure he was just as terrified as everyone else. When he walked into that. And there will be days where thick darkness it will happen With our witnessing, that we feel like, oh man, we're pouring out our life and it just doesn't seem to be working. There'll be days with, you know, when we're trying to use our gift and love on people and love on our neighbors that it feels like it's going the opposite direction. But the point here is, is our desire to enter in must not diminish because of the thick darkness. If you expect to in this lifetime understand everything, you're going to be highly disappointed. I'm just to tell you, I am 24 years into my journey with Jesus. I am like 16 or 17 years into being in ministry. There's things that I don't understand. But all that does is draw me to the one who gives me the answer. See, we can sit in our own thick darkness that we'll never get an answer to or we can enter into the thick darkness that God creates for us and he leads us to life. Now, Exodus 24, starting in verse 1. It says, Then he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron and Nabab and this other guy with an A, I don't even know how to pronounce his name. And 70 of the elders of Israel and worship from afar. And Moses alone came near to the Lord, but the other shall not come near. And the people shall not come up with him. And Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules. <clears throat> And all the people answered with one word. They're still in that place. All the words of the Lord, all the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. They're still in that place of going, you just tell us and we will do it, which they didn't. God's getting ready to call Moses on the mountain for 40 days. He's getting ready to lay down what we now call the Ten Commandments. And and during that 40 days, the people that are saying all, which he got the words, all the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And as soon as Moses disappeared for a little bit, the people rallied behind Aaron, his brother, man, Aaron, and said, "Mm, I don't know if Moses is coming back. He's been gone for a while and I didn't see him take a backpack with food. You know, he's probably dead by now. Like, make us a golden calf and we will worship. And that, they did that. That's the people that saw the power of God. So do not be under, underestimated with what people, including ourselves, will be willing to do the moment we enter into a darkness that we don't understand. We will reach out to anything that will rescue us from that, even if it is a golden calf. And I love, like this is the worst tea ever. But Moses came back down and he grounded up and he made him drink that thing. That's punishment right there. Like that's, I believe, where the soap in the mouth came from. <laughs> like I think some mother read that one day and be like, okay, we're going to get that. You want mm-hmm, to clean that out. You want to drink it? In verse um, 12, and still in 24, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, Come up to the mountain and wait there, and I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandments, which I have written for their instruction for his people. And the reason why he gave them the law and the commandments were so that they could have relationship with God. It wasn't to give them these laws and commandments so that they would, like, not have connection. The purpose was for them Because it's always been said, if you obey, I'm here. The truth was, he knew, which we find out in the New Testament later, that the law was never. God knew this. The law law was never capable to do in us what needed to be done. And it was a preparation for sending his son. In um, verse 13, it says, so Moses rose with his assistant Joshua And Moses went up into the mountain of God, and he said to the elders, Wait here for us until we return to you. And behold, Aaron and her are with you. (laughs) That's funny. Like Moses is thinking, my brother will take care of things when I'm gone. He was wrong. (laughs) Whoever has a dispute, let them go to them. But Joshua was with him. This is one of the first mentions. He wasn't in the list of people that were to enter in, but he took his assistant up there. And he came down and he gave them the law. And of course, like he had to settle the the issue of the golden calf and he did that. And Moses set up this place. This he called it a tent of meeting. It wasn't the tabernacle. It was a place that the that, that God he would you would go in if you have something going on. You could go to this place and have an encounter with God. You could have a meeting with God. That's why they call it a tent of meeting. So we're in Exodus 33 now. Starting in verse seven, it says, "Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting." And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside of the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. And when Moses entered the tent, a pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people would saw saw the pillar of clouds standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship each at his tent door. And thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to a friend Then Moses turned again and went into the camp. Moses came and had a face-to-face encounter with the presence of God. And he went back to camp. And his assistant, Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. You want to hear something amazing about this young man? This young man was the one when Moses was unable to bring his people into the promised land. He... And Caleb were the only two of his generation that made it for the 40 years to enter into. And when he was in his 80s, he led the people of Israel into the promised land. Joshua, you want to know how he did that? You want to know how you're going to make it to the end? You want to know how that you're going to be successful in life? And I'm not talking about what your paycheck look like, or what your career is going to look like. But you want to know how you're going to make it successfully to the end of your marriage? You want to know how you're going to make it successfully to the end of raising your children? <laughs> I need a thick cloud. <laughs> Maybe my children will listen to me like God came down and started speaking to me. And they'll be like, oh my God. But you know how you're going to make it to the end of that? Is you're going to be more hungry for the presence of God. Because here's what I said at the beginning. You are the decision maker on how close you will get to the presence, to the face to face. Because God has opened the door for us. He has rend the veil. We have access to the Holy of Holies. And the only thing that keeps us, His children, from the presence... Is your willingness to consecrate yourself. You're like man. I got to go wash my clothes when I get home. He's talking about here. He's talking about. How thoroughly. Will you. Disconnect from the things. That are sucking life from you. To connect to the one thing. That God wants you to have access to. The reason why jo- uh, Joshua. Was who he was is because he was more hungry. Look, they warned. I'm sure when Moses took him up onto the mountain, when he crossed that threshold, that, that limits. He was like, whether I live or die, I'm going. Like, I don't think he just like, oh, let's, you know, let's go over to the pre-. Like, I can imagine walking up to that line, whatever that line was, and, and him going, if it kills me, I'm going in. And I just want to tell you, look, our our church, there is nothing that happens without God. No one in this church will ever say yes to Jesus because of a sermon that I preach. Because of a song that we sing. Because of a kids ministry curriculum that we teach. If someone says yes to Jesus in this building, it will only be because God called them, period. Think of that. If you're a child of God right now, how is your face to face? Like, how is it going? How are you feeling about that connection to the father? And if it's not where you want it to be, I challenge you, what are you willing to cast off? Hebrews talk about. Us. You know, uh, getting rid of the sin that so easily entangles. I think that's Hebrews. That we would willingly go. What in your life is clouding your presence, your face to face? What are you willing? Because look at this. First Corinthians three sixteen. It says, "Do you not know that you are God's temple?" The temple is where the presence of the Holy Spirit lived and that God's spirit lives in you. You, if you are a child of God, you, the presence of the living God is in you. So when you leave here, wherever you go, if you go to McDonald's for lunch. Or Jersey Mike's or San Felipe or wherever you go. The presence of the living God is walking in there. When you think, how am I going to make this marriage better? You don't walk into the house going, well, I'm just going to try harder. You walk into the house saying the presence of the living God is in me. And that presence will change me, which will radically transform my marriage. It will radically transform the life of everyone that interacts with me because I'm going to be completely his. James 4, 8, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinner, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. What are you willing to do to have that? Because there is no joy, there is no peace that you will ever have. There is nothing that's ever going to satisfy you. And if you've lived long enough, you know, because you've tried it. It's just like if you read Ecclesiastes in the one-year Bible, it's like, I mean, that joker... He did everything. And I think if it we got the filtered version of everything that he did, uh, because some of us just like ah I tried that, (laughs) tried that. And all of it was for nothing. And here we have access to the living God that wants to give us life. And you know why he wants to give you life? Because he wants to make you a kingdom of priests that proclaim his excellencies. Those who are going to enter into his kingdom so here here's your choice I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up and we 're going to take communion together as a family today and I'll explain that in just a second. if you can't be Moses who entered into the thick darkness by godly. At least be Joshua, who is willing, even if he had to cling around the outside, to have the presence of God. So if you're struggling this morning, if there's something going on, I don't even know, I don't even have to know what it is. The answer is, and will always be, God. There's a piece, that's that's why Paul in prison can say, I've learned to be content with all things. In Prison, I've learned to be content that even in the thick darkness, we can have joy and peace from a loving father. So here's what I want to do. I want us to finish our time with worship and worshiping as we take communion. Uh if you've not been in our church during communion before, I know communion can be a little, you know, like uneasy cuz everybody kind of does it a little different. Let me explain. So we're going to go into worship in just a few minutes and you'll be released. We have two tables up front. Um there is bread and a uh, um juice beside it and we do intention, which is just a fun word for taking a piece of bread. And dipping it in the juice. So. You can use that later. You better intink that. But like gravy. Yes. Don't do that. That's weird. But you can come up here and you can take communion. And you can go back to your seat with it and take it in your seat. Or you can come back with your family and do it with your family. However you need to. And here's who who okay, so that's how it works. Here who here's who has access. You're like, maybe this is my first Sunday, and you know, I don't I don't know. Like if I'm allowed to go up there in this house, and I think in every house, should be. If you're a child of God, if you've said yes to Jesus, if you're his son or daughter, you have access to our table. Because it's not our table, really. It's his. Jesus on the night that he was betrayed took bread and broke it and said, This is my body that has been broken for you to our return take this in remembrance of me and at the end of the supper he took the wine and he said this is my blood that will be poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins you know what makes us family today I know we're from different places and um, if you saw or heard the lady that just called out during announcements you're like how does she have the right she's my mother-in-law so she can do whatever she wants (laughs) Getting. kidding I'm kidding. I love you, Eileen. So some of us are related in here, but we're family because of this, because of the table. This is what makes us a community of believers that we can look at each other and go. We believe the best because we understand that this is the only thing that makes us good. Not your attendance, not your serving, not your giving. This is what communicates who we are. This is what puts us on the same field. Look, I don't get to go to this any different than you do because I didn't earn my salvation. It was a gift given to me from a loving God. And so as you go to the table, let everything... Uh, Romans 8 one says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you feel condemned, if you feel worthless, if you feel useless, if you feel like just beat up and battered as you come to the table... Speak his word. There is no condemnation. If you're a son or daughter of the king, you have been justified, which means you have been made right because of this that we celebrate today. Let's pray. Dearly Father, as we end this service, as we bounce around the reality of, you know, do we even have access to have that face to face? And I know without a doubt there are people in this room that feel like, man, that's not me, not because they don't want it, because they don't feel that they don't deserve it. And we, I pray right now as we take communion. That that idea would just be washed away, like as, as we take these elements and we put them into our mouth, Lord, I pray that the reality of what the cross is for us would settle into us. That it would activate this living, breathing presence that we have in us as sons and daughters of the King. And I pray that today that our heart's desire would be to have face-to-face relationship with you. And that we would do everything. And I believe that you've spoken to people in this room of some of those things that they need to eliminate from their life. And Lord, I pray that you would right now just confirm that. That you would just like, yes, that's it. I, I, need to, I need help walking away from this. I need help changing this behavior. I need help changing this. And so, Lord, as we approach you, as we acknowledge that your presence brings life, I pray that the communion today would bring life to us. And I pray these things in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus. Amen.